Welcome to the Shutterbug Life Podcast. If photography is not just something you do, but who you are, this is the place for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything you need to be, do, or have to reach your true potential. Let's celebrate the creative photographer's lifestyle with your host, my dad, Linford Morton. Hi, welcome to Shutterbug Live Podcast, episode 36. And I am so glad you are joining again and starting your photography week with me. I'd like to think of this as a community of photography enthusiasts who learn, share, and grow together. And that's all we're trying to do, mix with kindred spirits and make sure we all help each other become our best. So thank you so much for joining. Again, my name is Linford Morton. You can call me Lynn. And we've got a great episode in store, as I like to think. And this one answers a question I, I hear frequently, frequently. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I've heard it at least three times just this past weekend in the, in the two workshops I did. And the question is this. Why aren't my pictures tack sharp like I like them to be. Why aren't my pictures sharp? Why do they look a little blurry? You know, and and what's causing that? So I heard I hear that in all the classes. I you know, I got that question from a couple people in in the Ask Lynn um, uh, for the Ask Lynn segment and I, I thought it was so prevalent that we ought to just deal with it in one of our episodes. So that's what we'll talk about today. Why aren't my pictures sharp and what can I do, I guess, is the sort of the follow on. What can I do to make sure they're sharp? Okay, that's what we'll do today. But before we do that, let's talk just a little bit, uh, just some Shutterbug Life updates. And the, the big one. I'm proud to announce that I am going to be hosting a worldwide photo walk 2015. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, Scott Kelby from Kelby One hosts, well, this is the eighth year now, a worldwide photo walk, which he calls the largest global and social photography event. Now, the concept isn't new to those of us who are involved in meetups, but it's this. Photographers get together and go on a walk where we sort of take pictures together and hang together and then share our images when we're done. And sometimes when we're done with the photo walk, we, we, we stop somewhere and enjoy a meal together and sort of look at what we did and talk about what we've learned. So this is going to happen on worldwide photo walk day, which is October three this year. The way this works is all around the world on that day, there'll be groups of photo walks all going out and then all sharing images together. It's really sort of a cool thing. Well, I applied to lead a group and was approved. And so I will be leading a photo walk through the historic neighborhoods of Washington, D.C., that means we'll start in Adams Morgan neighborhood, which is um, an, an old neighborhood in Washington, D.C. that has 
um, sort of deep historic and cultural ties. And we'll talk about this, you know, coming up as we get closer to the photo walk. But we'll go from Adams Morgan through to the U Street Corridor, which is another, again, very prominent and historic neighborhood in Washington, D.C. We'll loop down 14th Street in Washington, D.C., and then we'll end at DuPont Circle, which is another, again, historic neighborhood in Washington, D.C. I think, you know, this... This this route for the photo walk, I, I'm particularly excited about because it gives you opportunities to do great street photography first because we we're going to see people doing things and enacting and, and, and we'll see a great diversity of different kinds of people in different kinds of settings as we move from one neighborhood to the next. We'll have great architecture if you're into architectural photography because you'll see everything from, you know, colorful houses and, and, textures and streets and graffiti to old stately row homes and and then the the new uh, buildings that are going up so you'll see the old dc you'll see historic dc you'll see cultural dc you'll see dc in transition and you'll pass very um a wide variety of different kinds of architectural um structures and subjects to photograph and then finally we'll, it's as, as i have been hinting at it's going to be great for his for uh cultural yeah cultural and history if you're into those kinds of things too because um we'll pass a lot of um historical points along the way now I'm going to be pulling from uh, resources from an organization called Cultural Tourism DC, and they have um, marked a number of the really historic and cultural sites, and they happen to be along the path we'll be traveling. So for those of you who are interested, I'm going to have those identified as well. So as you can see, we're going to have a lot of fun, and there'll be no shortage of things to photograph, and you will just have no excuse if you come on this photograph, this photo walk and not come away with something very fun or interesting or challenging or spectacular. So I'm inviting you to join us. Now here's the thing. The Kelby One and the Worldwide Photo Walk limits us to 50 people. I'm already halfway there. So if you want to join us, I'm going to ask you to go and sign up. I have a bit.ly link that makes it easy for you to get to it. You go to bit.ly forward slash WWPW. DC 2015, which of course stands for Worldwide Photo Walk DC 2015. So go to bit.ly forward slash WWPWDC 2015 and register there. You know, this is a big DC focused photo walk, but for those of you who might be nearby, you know, on the East Coast, I think it's worth a trip in uh, for the day as well, because we're just going to see a lot and it will be fun for you. All right. So think about that. And and then I'm going to be posting updates on my blog, shutterbuglife.com blog. And the direct link will be bit.ly forward slash WWPW. DC updates. WWPW Worldwide Photo Walk 
DC updates. And I will be adding some of the things I talked about, some of the the cultural sites you will see. I will be adding things like when is our hashtag, because I'd like for us to be social in this. So we will be, as we're walking around, you, you can share images as we walk on Instagram and Twitter using a, a hashtag that I'll establish uh, fairly soon. And then when we're done, we're all going to share our images at Flick on Flickr in our Flickr group, and if you'd like, the Worldwide Photo Walk Flickr group as well. So, lots of stuff here, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, please hurry up and register and sign up and come on out and shoot with us on October 3 for our Worldwide Photo Walk through the D.C. historic neighborhoods. Now... Also coming up in October is the uh, Photo Plus Expo. And Photo Plus Expo comes to New York City every every year. And it's one of the larger photography uh, convention and workshop opportunities. And I, I try and go up every year to the expo. But this year, I know a lot of us um, are coming in from around, from the D.C. area, from New York, and just all around the country and the world. And so I'm going to host some photo walks there as well. And I've got two in particular I'm thinking about. I'm not ready to announce the, the details yet because I'm still working that out but just know that if you're coming um look for something in the afternoon of that friday and that saturday i'll have two different free photo walks that you can join in on and come on out and shoot with me in new york city so two things to to look forward to in terms of photo walks that will all be fun and will all be free and i'm hoping that you could join me on one of them So this week's episode, we're ask, we're answering the question, why aren't my pictures sharp? And as I said before, this answers a, a mixture of questions I get, which basically comes down to things about the autofocus modes, focusing your camera, and then the other things we need to do to make sure that our pictures and our, our images are always sharp, as we like to think, tack sharp. As I said before, I, I got a couple of emails on this just recently. Um, uh, Nancy sent to me and sent me an email that said she's focused, she's concentrating on learning the elements that go into obtaining tack sharp focus. That's the holy grail, isn't it? Um, she wants to know which ones are attributable to the photographer's skill level, the quality of gear, and what's more critical, the lens or the camera, or problems with the gear, such as a loss of calibration. Larry had sent an email a while back, earlier in the year, and we had gone back and forth on this. He was shooting a group of people and said he noticed that um, some of the pe- people in the group were out of focus, and he was using uh, F5.6, which I... And an email back to him, you know, suggested, you know, that might be one of the issues. But then he asked another question, which sort of leads into this. He said, well, what about the settings? He says, I'm using AFA, using 39 points. What about a smaller number of points or just one point in the center? Does that matter? So I'm thinking about all this kind of stuff, and it reminded me of a situation I I had. So I had this lens that... Uh, you know, I was, that just wouldn't work right. 
And whenever I took pictures, especially portraits, I'd see that the subject was always just a little sharp, especially around the eyes. And that's, you know, that's what we care about most. We want those eyes to be tech sharp. And so I found that that lens just wasn't performing the way I liked it. It made me really annoyed. So much so that I went and replaced it with a newer version of it when it was announced. I went and got the new version and I put it on my camera and I went and I started shooting and the same thing kept happening. And I thought to myself, what in the world is going wrong? Maybe it's my camera. Because I looked online and, and people were just raving about how sharp this lens was. But that wasn't my experience. So I was wondering, well, what's going on? And then I made some improvements. Some improvements while I was shooting. Some adjustments. And I was astounded to see how much that lens improved after I fixed just a couple things. Boy, the lens just turned around. Right? Right? <laughs> well, you, I think you know where I'm going with this. Here's some tough love that I had to face and some tough love for many of us who are out there wondering why we can't get sharp images. In most cases, it's not the camera's fault. In most cases, it's user error. In I'm, I'm going to go as far as saying nine out of ten times, it's not the camera's fault. It's user error. And so I've sort of broken it down to three things which we'll discuss today. One is it's an autofocus settings issue. Two is just a general focusing issue. And the three is some other technical or performance issue. So we'll, let's go through all three of those. Number one, an autofocus settings issue. So if I'm beginning to to diagnose this. Um, one of the first things I look at, especially when I'm looking at, us, at other people who are shooting, was whether or not they have the setting on the single point autofocus versus an auto area autofocus. Now, the reason this is important, and you will see this on your DSLRs and some of your other cameras, and when it's an auto area autofocus, it usually looks, when you see, you you see the difference, but you'll see your autofocus looks like a series of points. Now, some of the older cameras, you'll see 11 points, and then that number, as the, as the cameras get newer and newer, increases as many as 51 points for some cameras. And, and what you'll see is you can move that little point around and select the the autofocus point that the camera will use when it tries to, to, to focus on whatever your subject is. But if you see for that icon a solid sheet, and I'll have some pictures of what this looks like in the show notes, but if you just see a solid block, it looks like a solid sheet of paper. That means the camera is choosing the focus point for you. So this can be one of the first issues you run into if you are having trouble with, um, with, with autofocus or focus issues, a focus, an autofocus settings issue. Now, the reason this is important, of course, is if the camera chooses with the auto area autofocus setting, if the camera chooses what it thinks is the, what you ought to be focusing on, it usually goes for what it, what it sees as the most prominent or obvious, sub, obvious subject. So let's say, for instance, you're shooting through a fence at, at, a, at a construction site. 
and you have you know the, the fence uh, sort of the, the 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 wires of the fence directly in front of you and you're trying to shoot through this and get what's happening inside there now in the auto area focus mode the camera will likely focus on the fence because it is looking for what's closest and prominent and it's that's going to show up as as its subject and that's what it will focus on and if you're trying to sh- shoot through that then you'll have a hard time because the camera will always be fooled and so one of the first things I'd want to correct is go to the single auto point focus mode so that I can move that focus point wherever I want to shoot past something that might be in the way or choose exactly what I want to lock in and focus. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that you are choosing the focus point, uh, the autofocus point for your camera and that your camera is not choosing it for you. Okay. Now, the next thing I look for is in the settings is is the, an autofocus setting, which might look like in Nikon's AFS, AFC, AFA, or in your Canons and others, one shot AI server or AF auto. Now, an easy way to figure out which of those you're going to choose is again the simple. Um, uh, dialogue thing. The simple question I ask is my subject moving? And, you know, I, this is a question I use for picking the right shooting mode, but it also works for the right autofocus mode um, if, as a decision tree. Is my subject moving? And if the answer is no, I'm likely going to want to choose AFS on the Nikon and some other camera brands or one shot on Canon's or other similar brands that will use, you know, that, um, um, that, 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 um, decision. And the reason is because in that mode, the camera needs your subject to be at a standstill. So you'll be focusing on something that isn't moving because the camera requires that before it can lock in and focus. And then once it does that and you depress the shutter halfway, in many cameras you'll hear that beep that says, beep, that says I've locked in and I've focused on my, on my subject. And, and some of you in your viewfinder, you will see a little dot that will go solid that says I've locked onto my subject. Now, when that happens, you can continue just simply halfway depressing and just holding it where it is and you've locked in your focus. So now you can recompose if you want to, meaning you can move the camera left, right, up, down and know that the camera is still locked in on focus on whatever that subject is. And, and, and this will, this helps, for instance, if you have a subject in the center of the frame and you boop, lock it in, but you really want to take the photograph with it on the left or the right. Now, you're not going to move in closer or back up at that point because the focus is locked in for the distance your camera is at that point. So you don't want to change that distance, but you might want to move it to the left or the right and move the subject around and just play with your composition. So, you know, we call this recomposing. And you can do this in that AFS or one shot mode because this is the mode that's good for that. The subject is not moving. You depress the shutter. It locks in. And once it's locked in, it holds it while the shutter is still half the halfway depressed. And then when you recompose, you can continue pressing the shutter to take the photograph. Now, is my subject moving? If your answer is yes, you're dealing with a continuous autofocus situation. And for that, you would choose AFC for Nikons and other brands that use that or AI Servo for Canons. Now, 
In that mode, whenever you place your autofocus point on a subject that's moving, the camera continues to focus on it as it moves toward you or away from you. So this is good for a situation, let's say someone's riding a bicycle toward you. You are photographing a, a, a bicycle race. And you lock in on a subject that's moving, and as you depress the shutter down um, halfway, and as that subject keeps moving toward you, the camera continues to focus on that subject as it moves toward you, even going into predictive mode, so that by the time you finish depressing the shutter, the camera knows where that subject will be because it, it can predict based on the speed it's moving where it will be, and it will make sure that subject is going to be sharply in focus for wherever it is. So this is called continuous focusing. And sometimes people use this when they use their back button, button focus, meaning they re, they recut, reconfigure their camera so that um, one of the buttons in the back will actually work as a, an, a continuous autofocus mode. But rather than depressing the shutter, when they release it, it stops focusing. All right. And some people like that. That's a preference issue. But the point is, if you're in continuous focus mode, as long as you are holding that button down, the camera is continuing to focus on the subject while it's moving. And then you can decide when you want to take the photograph and know that your subject will be in focus. There's a third option, which is the one Larry said he was using in his email to me. He said it's AFA. And it's AF Auto on my Canon, uh, my Canon cameras. And in that mode, you have a hybrid of your AFS or one shot and your AFC continuous autofocus or the AI servo. So you have a hybrid of those two options. And in AFA, what the camera will do is start in the, the single AFS mode. And that means that the camera needs the subject to be at a standstill before it will focus. And then once it's locked in, if that subject decides to start moving for some reason, like I'm focused on you and you're, I'm taking a portrait and you're standing and you're smiling and I've locked in focus in AFA mode, and then you decide to come walking toward me, the camera releases the autofocus and continues to follow you as you come to me so that... In either option, you at a standstill or you moving, I should be able to get a sharp image and know that it's going to be in focus. Now, the AFA mode as a hybrid is is sort of, you know, a lot of people think of that as sort of as, as a good uh, uh uh, a good default because you get the best of both worlds. Now, I have found that if I do a lot of focusing, locking, and recomposing, remember I talked about that in the uh, the, the AFS or one-shot mode, that single-shot mode, that if I lock in something that's at a standstill and then I try to recompose by turn moving the camera left, right, or up, or down to try and change the composition of the photograph. I have found that in some cameras, if I moved in a jerky way, the camera actually thinks the subject is moving, so it releases the autofocus and it starts focusing on something else. So AFA is actually, I found, not a good option for subjects that you know will not move. If you know your subject will not move, then I would go ahead and choose the AFS or one-shot mode. So this is about acquiring your subject.
right? Basically, um, these settings. How do I acquire my subject? Meaning, I find and lock in on the subject or thing that I I want to take a photograph of. Now, what about tracking your subject? Once you once you've acquired the subject, let's say you're in one of those um, modes, continuous modes, where you know your subject is moving. You're photographing sports or a race or something like that, or or birds flying or or something in nature. Uh, or people walking around in in a in a street photography setting, for instance. Well, tracking the subject with your autofocus then becomes important because just because you locked it in once doesn't mean the camera is going to hang on to it and and continue to focus on it. And so you might lock onto it and then lose the focus, and then that's why your subject might be out of focus. And and you'll find with some a dynamic area autofocus, which is I think what Larry was also talking about. He had, you know, uh, he was using the multiple points. You know, this uh, this is sometimes good if you want to focus on, on erratically moving subjects. Someone's playing soccer, for instance, birds flying back and forth. Because at a single point, it might be easy for them to slip out of the autofocus point. And some, so in this mode, with the dynamic autofocus area, dynamic area autofocus, for instance, you have a cluster of 9 or 11 or, or any number um, that your camera will select and so that wh- so that while you may choose one as your main autofocus point if your subject moves erratically one of the the adjacent points can still hang on to it and you won't lose it okay so a cluster that you're using will also help something that's moving quickly make sure that it doesn't move out of the grasp of the autofocus point now, the other thing you'll see in some cameras is a 3D focus tracking. And this is really cool because it uses the RGB sensor to automatically follow moving subjects across n- numerous autofocus points. So it's moving not just on one, but uh, uh, across several. And, and so this might be, for instance, I think this is, I think about this as a good um, scenario, for instance, for photographing sports. So, ideally, when you're photographing two teams, they're wearing two different sets of colors, for instance. So, I'm locking in, and let's just say for um, for fun that I'm, I'm, I get to photograph an NFL game, and my favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, are playing, and they're wearing black and gold. And they're playing the arch enemies, Atlanta Falcons, who are wearing red. So... I I am now locked in on a wide receiver, for instance, of someone who's running down field, and it's locked in and in on him. And using RGB, it's it 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 can also use the colors to track, because if someone wearing a different jersey, red or for instance, runs across in front of this person then the camera knows that's not the subject. So if it's not using that sort of that 3D mode, that someone moved running across in front of your subject, the camera might be fooled and start following them instead. But but not this one because it knows based on uh, the sensor tracking, not just 3D but RGB, all the colors as well, that this is not... Uh, this is something other than the subject we're following, and so it still holds on to them. So, you know, any of these things, if not operating, uh, if the settings aren't set correctly, you could lose uh, your subject easily, and then, of course, the autofocus, you know, falls out, and this is one reason you might have an image that isn't sharply in focus.
The other reason, number two, is it, you know, if it's not a settings issue, it could just be a focusing issue. And, you know, one of the obvious ones, and I'm almost embarrassed to say this one, is you might be stuck on manual focus by mistake. You know, sometimes you might turn your your camera to manual focus. I remember sometimes, one time I did this event where I took my, I put my camera in manual focus because I was just trying to, you know, get my light set and I didn't want the camera to mess around focusing. I just wanted to depress the shutter and have the lights go off. So I put it on manual focus to do that and I forgot to go back on autofocus. And in the middle of the shoot, I was wondering, why isn't this thing adjusting my autofocus? And it dawned on me that I hadn't, I hadn't said, changed the setting back to autofocus, which can be very embarrassing. But, you know, it can be something as simple sometimes as my thumb might hit the autofocus button, depending on where it is, and knocks it into manual focus. So it's always worth it just to just take a quick peek and make sure that you haven't, um, if your subject isn't, if your subject is blurry, that you have it um, turn the autofocus off so that the camera's not helping you anymore. Sometimes if you're just too close, if you're using a long zoom lens and you're too close, the camera just needs more room. And so if you're too close, the autofocus won't work or even the manual focus won't work. And you won't be able to get a sharp image without backing up a little bit. Because in most of your cameras, if you look in, in your manual for your lenses, for instance, it'll tell you what the minimum shooting distance is. So, so for, for instance, for some lenses, it's three feet when it's zoomed in. And so if you are closer than three feet, the camera just won't focus. So you want to know what that is, because that could also lead to a blurry picture. And then, of course, um, sometimes we, some of the settings issues might lead you to be focused on the wrong thing. So you think the camera is just not focusing, and you think that, for, for instance, why isn't my subject sharply in focus? Sometimes just look right behind the subject and see, is the wall behind that subject in focus? Because it might be that you have just, you know, missed the autofocus point where you wanted to place it. And so the ease, one of the easy things I would do is just check the background and see if the background is sharply in focus and then that that's sort of obvious okay i know what happened here i i i focused behind my subject rather than on my subject and you'd be surprised how often that happens the other thing you might uh you might have trouble because sometimes in some cameras the autofocus is looking for contrast to determine what it focuses on. So for instance, if you have a subject where you have a solid sheet of white or a solid sheet of uh of any single color, the autofocus is struggle because it's looking for it's comparing adjacent pixels to find something different. And if in comparing adjacent pixels, there's nothing different, it doesn't know what to focus on. And so what you might do is make sure that you find an area of contrast in your image so the camera knows that something is there and it can lock in and focus. Another focusing issue you might you might run into is you might just have an extremely shallow depth of field. Now, this one tripped me up a few times when I was shooting with very uh, fast lenses, you know, the 1.4 and the 50 and, and or or even, you know, more sh- more shallow than that. When I dial in 1.4 and I go in close and I'm trying to focus and at that point, the focus area is so small and so shallow that 
it'll look like most of the photograph is out of focus when really it's just one point that's really, really slim. It's, it can be that it, in, if you're focusing on someone's face, their eyelashes can be sharp, but the tip of their nose might be blurry. It can be really that shallow. And so you might want to make check on the uh, your, your f-stop or your aperture because, you know, the smaller that number is going down from 5.6 to to 3.5 to 2.8 to 2 to 1.8 to 1.4 as you keep going down the area that you can get in focus becomes smaller and smaller and if if you if you have that that aperture with that with that small number which again opens the the aperture very wide if that if you've done that then that area that you focus in might be so slim that you can't even tell where you have it focused and so you want to pay attention to that if you're choosing a very uh, low, uh, small f-stop n- uh, number or wide opening. Okay, so um, that might be one of the issues as well. So that's two your a focusing issue. Number three is a some other technical performance issue, and one of the more common ones here is camera shake and and quite frankly this is usually the case if you keep running into problems with um with um your image in focus if if all the settings and focusing issues are are, are not the problem it's usually going to be camera shake and that simply means when you depress the shutter, you move the camera, and it happens every time you do. And so you always need a shutter speed that's going to be fast enough so that that movement doesn't show up. That that movement, because anything that moves while the shutter is opening shows up as a blur or a streak. And so, you know, this is how we might deliberately show motion or movement, but 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 inadvertently we will create camera shake if we do this the rule of thumb is you want to make sure if you're not using a tripod that the shutter speed equals the focal length or faster and so what that means is if i am shooting at a focal length of 100 millimeters that i want my shutter speed to be at least one over one hundredth of a second or faster being the large number can go up one two fifty the second one five hundred one one thousand they can go up as far as you want but it can't go below this one one hundredth of a second if you're holding the camera because then you start to risk camera shake and, and the more you zoom in the more sensitive the camera becomes the camera shake so if you have a zoom lens and you zoom in all the way to 200 millimeters then of course you need a faster shutter speed to help avoid camera shake and usually we'll say one over 200th of a second is the slowest you want to be for a subject that's not moving too quickly now, some of you will have um, vibration reduction or image stabilizer or image um, or some other um, stabilizing feature on your lenses. And some cameras have it in the camera bodies that will help you correct for some of it. Uh, you know, I say give it one stop. Your camera manufacturer might tell you that you can get as many as four stops. I'm a little weary about that. So one stop means you can cut that number in half. If it should be two hundredth of a second or one over, yeah, one over two hundredth of a second, I can shoot at one over one hundredth of a second, meaning I cut that number in half and I can push it there. That's one stop and still somewhat safely get a sharp image. Okay, so but you're paying it. But the the point is, you're paying attention to the shutter speed because that um, will help you avoid camera shake. 
and the camera shake, it's going to be one of the more common causes of an image that's not tack sharp as we um, like to look for. Okay, so let's say you've done you think you've done all these things and the camera's still not working. I mean, you're still getting what looks like a blurry picture. Is it really the camera's fault? Is it the camera or the lens? And an easy way to diagnose that is to is to get rid of, of any possibility of human error. And the way you do that is you put your camera on a tripod. We will you will then select a high F stop, meaning something uh, F11 or higher. You will make sure that you have enough light so that you can also get a very fast shutter speed. So it's way over what that minimum shutter speed ought to be. And then you will use remote control, shutter release, or your self-timer so that you're not touching the camera when you take the photograph. And if you can do all these things and then you put that cam you take that image and you pull it up on your com- on the big screen on your computer and you look at it and it, it, I'm guessing nine times out of ten you'll see a sharp image. The the lens I had a problem with when I did those things, turns out the image was sharp. And if you do that and you see the image is sharp, then you know that you have to go back through the three main things we talked about, the settings, the focusing, or some other technical issue like camera shake, because the real culprit will be in one of those three areas. But if it isn't, if it's still giving you blurry pictures, um, then you know you, you likely have uh, uh, an image with an issue with your camera or and, and probably your lens, and that's when I would send it out for servicing. Because that's the kind of thing you're probably going to need to have, need a technician to fix if you don't know how to do it yourself. And if you know how to do it yourself, you probably aren't listening this far into this episode. All right. So um, I hope that's helpful for you. If you uh, if you are wondering why your images aren't coming sharp, coming out tack sharp, check your settings, check to make sure you're focusing properly on the right things and then check to make sure that you're not getting camera shake and then test um, your lens out by setting it up and doing a fast shutter speed, a high F stop, lots of light and not touching the camera while you're, sh- while you're shooting just to make sure that you are eliminating any any opportunity for user error and then see what the images look like then all right and if you can do all those things then hopefully 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 you'll find the culprit and you'll be able to correct it and get yourself some tack sharp images Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much again for joining. I hope that was helpful for you as you try and diagnose where your autofocus uh, potential issues might be. If you have questions pertaining to this, you can um, leave them in the show notes. If you go to shutterbuglife.com slash podcast and look for episode 36, this is 036. And then leave your comment or question in the show notes and I mean in the comments and I'll be I'll respond usually within a day. Now, if you just want to go directly to it, our bit.ly link will be bit.ly forward slash shutterbug life zero 
1-800-273-8536. Hey, if you love what you're doing, you ought to subscribe and make sure you don't miss another episode. You can go to shutabuglife.com forward slash subscribe. If you're on iTunes, you can subscribe there. You can find the find it find it on iTunes by going to itunes.shutabuglife.com. While you're there, leave a leave a leave a review. We'd love to love to read what you have to say. We're also on Stitcher as well. Now, in between, of course, the meetup in Washington, D.C. is Shutterbug Excursions. You go to meetup.com forward slash Shutterbug Excursions. In between episodes and in between photo walks, our Facebook group is active. You can find that by going to fb.shutterbuglife.com. And, of course, if you want to learn, I teach photography in Washington, D.C. And you can find the options there on Photo Tour D.C., And I also do, you know, one-on-one training, and I've been doing quite a bit of that in Washington, D.C., but I also want to to let you guys know that I can, no matter where you are, we can do it by phone or by Skype, audio or video Skype, so that I can actually see what you're doing with your camera, and we can also set up some time um, there. So you can find that on on the phototourdc.com forward slash private hyphen coaching and you will see some options there all right that's it i hope this was helpful for you and i hope whatever you get into this week that you enjoy your shutterbug life and i'll talk to you again next week take care <laughs>